Welcome to AgriMinds, the podcast where we explore the intersections of personal growth and professional success in the ag industry. I'm Casey Bull, your host. Thank you for joining me as we dive in to the different strategies and insights that will help you level up your life and career. From mental health to leadership development, we're going to cover it all. So sit back and get ready to grow with AgriMinds. Welcome to another episode of the AgriMinds podcast. I've got a guest, Joelle Oram, who I connected with through the Ag Women Connect Network. Her and I are both women in the agriculture industry here in the state of Indiana. And when I started to hear more about her story, I became absolutely fascinated. And I thought, you've got to be on the AgriMinds podcast. So Joelle, will you go ahead and introduce yourself so people get an idea of who you are and what you're into? Yeah. Hi, Casey. I'm really excited to be on here with you. And I loved getting to meet you for the first time. Um, I just knew that we were going to be friends. So um, good to meet you. Good to meet everybody listening as well. Um, A little bit about myself. So I'm an Indiana girl, just like Casey. And my husband and I operate Orem Farms. We're central Indiana. Uh, Frankfurt is actually where our farm is. And he is a multi-generation farmer. We've got a couple of kiddos and we do mostly freezer beef. So we have a beef operation. We also do custom hay and row crops and we grow our own grain. Um, we're, we're currently selling all of our product online. And then we also sell direct to consumer through like farmer's markets. And uh, we have a monthly delivery. We have a subscription box, things like that. Um, I wear a lot of different hats. So not just on our farm, I run all the marketing and communications and um, do a lot of the sales, but I also have a full-time job uh, with Farm Journal. And then I have a couple little projects. So I keep very busy and I, like I said, I have two young kiddos, um, but I really enjoy sharing my story with people and I enjoy championing other people in the ag space. So it's really cool to meet everybody and I can't wait to dive in. Yes, you have so many cool things that I think we could dive into. Uh, But my very first question is knowing that you wear about a billion hats, what in the world are you doing to balance it all? Talk to me a little bit about how you're able to manage all of these things. Yeah, I got that question last night too um, from another farmer. And I basically, you know, I said, I can give you some tips, but share with me what you find out too, because there's just no, (laughs) there's no really perfect solution. You know, I think as a farmer, you know, we have boots in the field and then we're also doing stuff behind a computer and we're trying to like market our own business and we're trying to um, carve out our own industry and be a mover and shaker. And it can be really hard, especially when you have young kids, um, especially when you have jobs. Um, so, you know, I found just really being intentional with the time that I do have is helpful and putting up boundaries is very helpful as well. So knowing when to say no, knowing when it's time to phase something out, knowing when you should not add a new product, (laughs) not, sign up for that event, not sign up for that farmer's market. Um, and knowing when it's okay to do that and, and being intentional. And like I said, when we do have those margins of time that we're 
not scrambling around, um, really being present for our kids. And, you know, last night we took a drive and we literally just went and got a tub of ice cream. And that was, it was a fun experience for our family. And it's just, it sounds like a little thing, but, you know, being intentional with that family time is important. So um, we try to make sure that we leave room for a lot of that. And then we incorporate our kids with all that we're doing, you know, whether it be on a tractor um, or, you know, getting to go to the farmer's markets with us and things like that. I love that. And I think you're so right. That's been the, one of the biggest challenges for me is to be right where my feet are and not have my head, you know, doing some work, but then physically being on the couch with my kiddo. Like that is something that I think a lot of people within the agriculture industry struggle with because there's always something to do. And I remember growing up, like there was always something to do on the farm. And my dad, you know, said to us often, if you have time to sit on the couch and watch TV, you have time to go work on something or, you know, freshen something up, whatever it is, you know, and I just always thought there was, that was lazy or, um, you know, I had to be doing something. Otherwise I wasn't productive. And there was a lot of guilt and a lot of shame around that. And I'm getting to the point now, you know, 30 some years later where I'm realizing like, it doesn't mean that I'm lazy or that I'm not productive if I rest. And that was a big deal for me. And so even now I catch myself you know, on weekends where I should be enjoying time with my kids, but I find, okay, I need to get this done and I want to go work on that. But when you involve your family members in that too, like, um, I've gotten to the point where my son, who's going to be seven here in two weeks, you know, instead of him sitting in the living room, watching TV, and I'm in the kitchen, making dinner, putting dishes away, and then run into the other room to fold laundry all while the cook, you know, dinner is cooking. I can involve him in a lot of that stuff. And he can help me put the dishes away. He can help cook certain things. And so I'm checking the box of being present with my family and doing the tasks that I feel like need to be done. And I love that so many people on previous episodes of the AgriMinds podcast have shared that, you know, them working on the ranch, they take their kids with them to go tag cattle. They take their kids with them to go run errands. And there is a possibility to not train your kids, but show them that they can sit still and that they need to be quiet during certain meetings and things like that. So you're still taking them along and you're teaching them some really powerful skills that will benefit them later on in life. And so I just love that that is something that so many people are calling out that I hadn't considered before. Any thoughts around that? Yeah, my husband there, you know, sometimes we'll just sit down after a long day and and we'll just be exhausted. And I'll look at him and I'll say, why are we doing all this? <laughs> and his answer and my answer is always, we're doing it for the kids. Like this is for them. And we have to remember, like, you know, if we're building all this for them and we're trying to teach them through all this, we have to remember not to lose the relationship in the process between, you know, him and I and our children. And so, like I said, just being intentional and always coming back to your why and, um, you know, there'll, there'll be a day that we'll miss, we'll miss it. And, uh, we, we just don't want to miss it. So, um, when you were talking about, you know, doing stuff in the kitchen, I really found that music is a really great, uh, connection tool with my family. You know, I think when we turn on some good music and we start doing the work together, um, it just kind of, 
relaxes a little bit and makes things more fun. So that's kind of a fun little trick. Oh, I like that. I think music is a huge gap connector, you know, like that's something that we can connect with. We can have dance parties. It, you know, increases our energy level. Like it's absolutely an amazing tool. So I love that. Um, there's something else that you mentioned about like, just kind of knowing that there's a season in this stuff. Like there was a, a client that I had before that he was a young bachelor for years and he spent a lot of, a lot of his time at the co-op after hours, helping his customers. And, you know, he met a girl, they got, they were getting ready to get married. And that was something that he was like, how do I work through this? How do I manage all of this? Because I've kind of trained my customers into like, I'm available nights and weekends to help them on their farm, to make sure that products are getting delivered. And he's like, my wife said like, listen, you're going to be, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to start a family soon. And so you need to start figuring out how you're going to let your growers know, like, this isn't how it's going to be anymore. And you're going to need to start setting new expectations. And so I think that's the key is like having boundaries, knowing when to say no to things, but also just giving yourself grace that there are seasons that these can continually evolve, right? Like just because right now I'm saying no to certain things doesn't mean that that's going to be how it is forever. I just know that right now I'm prioritizing my family. And so I need to check in with where my life is, where my career is, what things need to be adjusted and just give yourself the grace of just knowing like, this is a temporary thing, you know, and maybe you want it to be permanent. That's fine too. But giving yourself grace of like, this is just a seasonal thing. And, you know, in 18 years, when the kids are out of the house, maybe I'll get back into that and serve my customers or my community in the way that I used to, but as of right now, like this is my priority. And so I love that, you know, you, you called that life balance out a little bit, um, share with us a little bit more about some of those things, like you're continually evolving with, because I think, you know, as a, a, a someone who's passionate about personal and professional development, I feel like that's something that has to constantly be in motion and constantly evolving. And so you're, your friends are going to change, your resources are going to change, your mindsets are going to think change. What kinds of things can you share about like what's evolving in your life and how you are giving yourself grace through that transition? That's a really great question because something we have, my husband and I have both been really growing in, in the past couple of years, you know, we've, we've been through several different careers. We've, you know, done the nine to five stuff. I work from home right now and we've grown our farm completely in the past, I don't know, five or so years. It's just taken off. And I think looking back, we really had the mindset of, we have to just do it all ourselves. And I think, you know, in the ag space, it's kind of how we are, especially as farmers, you know, we, we, we're scrappy and we try to do it ourselves. And there's no reason you should hire that out because I have the tool for it and I can do it and I can stay up late and I get up early and it's, you know, it's basically in the backyard. I have the ability to do it. And we've really learned that it's sometimes better to team up or join forces with somebody who maybe can do it better. Um, I've been learning a lot about, you know, being 
more transparent when I need help and not feeling like I have to completely own every single thing that I do. And that can be really hard, especially when you are a creative person like me and like multi-passionate. And I, you know, I'm one of those people that you could give me a job and I'll say, awesome, I can do it and I can do five more. And I think that, you know, that struggle through having, having to give a little bit of that up and be okay with um, delegating something or hiring someone to manage our inventory. That was a huge deal. Um, just something we did recently because we were struggling. My husband and I were struggling with counting all of our beef inventory and it became this big headache. And, uh, we, you know, we we're like, I feel like we can't do what we do good. We can't do what we do well because we're tied up doing these little things. And, you know, it's like, well, we can, we can take a piece of paper and count meat. That's not a big deal, but the value and just getting help <laughs> is tremendous. And I've noticed that with just about everything I've been doing lately. And, uh, you know, I think, um, it was last year I was doing some like new year's resolution stuff, which I, I don't love doing, but I do it and it's fun. And I tend to print off like a piece of paper that ha is kind of like a mood board with like a word of the year and all that. And in 2022, my word was connect. And I just wanted to make more connections. And, you know, I actually left that paper up <laughs> this year. I didn't even change it because I still feel like it rings true. And I think creating connections, it can make our life busier, yes, but it can also take some of the ease off of us. So connecting with other people that are um, able to speak into our lives, connecting with people that can take a load off of us, uh, whatever that looks like. But you know, I just, I think I, I've been through a few relationships that I've just had to use some, um, some transparency in. And I've noticed that because I chose to do that and not try to own everything and not try to be the person on top and, um, not have to have, not have a big flashy, you know, following behind me, um, that's actually grown the relationship. That's really powerful too. And I think that you said something like, we can't do what we do well because we have to do all of everything else. And I talk a lot about the working genius model and not when you, when you understand what you do really well, it allows you to remove the guilt and the shame for doing these three things, automating, delegating, and eliminating. And I know for the longest time, I felt so much shame and guilt and embarrassment and pride even around admitting that I didn't enjoy something, admitting that I needed help and that I, I couldn't do it all on my own, or that I really just wanted to focus on something else when people may have expected me to do something different. And like one example is a lot of the times I was always the only female in the room or in a meeting being in the ag industry. That's pretty typical. It's expected. <laughs> I, it's not something new for me, but just because I was the female in the room, the guys typically assumed that I had better handwriting and that I enjoyed taking notes, 
let me just say that is the biggest nightmare for me. I hate taking notes. When I found out my working genius was wonder and discernment, but I was spending that time during those meetings taking notes, I was draining my cup and getting so exhausted because where I thrive and where my cup gets filled is being present in the moment, asking questions like, why are we doing this? Tell me more about that. Yes, I think that's a good idea. Let's keep running with it. Or no, that's not the best because of X, Y, Z. Like I need to be out in the conversation. And I was so held back and got so frustrated and so burnt out when I was spending time capturing what everybody else was doing. And so being able to just say, listen, I know this about myself and I can be better utilized in this conversation if I'm doing X, Y, Z rather than this. And I don't feel guilty about calling that out anymore because I know that about myself and I can also not deprive somebody else in the room who loves to capture notes and doesn't want to be a part of the brainstorming conversation. And so I'm, I'm utilizing people around me and allowing them to live in the place that fills their cup up and not feel guilty about that at all. Do you have any examples of things like that? Cause I know you work alongside your husband, any um, experiences or scenarios that you can think of where it's like, this is something that we've gone through and either we need to apply or implement the working genius into this because I feel like it could change or have you guys started to get to that point where you know, like, this is what I'm good at. This is what my husband's good at. Here's what neither of us are good at and how we need to potentially start outsourcing those things. Yeah, absolutely. So I I like to say, stay in your lane unless you're willing to merge, because that's something we've had to balance with my husband and I, we do a lot of sales and conversations with customers. And, you know, he is, he's the good old farm boy. Everybody likes to chat with him. He could talk to somebody for an hour and just shoot the breeze. And, um, you know, he'll answer his phone in the field with cows mooing in the background. They love that. And something we've really had to, uh, I would kind of say compromise on is just how our customer experience, um, like our customer service is handled. So, you know, he, he's taking these phone calls and he's, um, getting like an order for a half a beef or just, you know, talking about a future order that they need. And I'm over here saying, we need a system. We need to automate. We need to uh, make this easier and simpler and put everything online and funnel them. And, and he had to kind of push back and say, whoa, like, that's great. But the reason they're buying from us is because we're a small farm. They're not wanting to buy from Amazon. <laughs> like, and, you know, in my world, I'm like, everybody's buying on Amazon. Everything needs to be online. And so we've, we've really butted heads over it, you know, the past few years. And, um, he, I think at one point he said, okay, why don't you, you talk on the phone? He, he gave, he wasn't doing it in a mean way, but he said, okay, like, can you call these people for me? And, you know, it, it, it ended up being kind of an older uh, generation customer. And it was kind of difficult because they didn't understand our website. They didn't know how to order online. And, um, I'm over here like, well, you just need to, you know, <laughs> you need to go online and sign up for email and, and he, being able to be in his shoes and talk to the people and 
understand where they're coming from. They, they wanted me to bring a print out of all of our products, like to the farmer's market. And so just little things like that. I was kind of like, okay, you're really good at this. You handle it <laughs> and I'll handle my side. And that was really hard for me. And, you know, something else that I'll give an example about is you're kind of talking about like skill sets and what kind of makes you tick and where your, um, your working genius is. And I actually would love to take your uh, workshop. I saw it's going to be in uh, my area soon. So I am a visual person. I'm a creative. I do graphic design. I love photography. I love being around people and talking and doing what we're doing here. And, you know, with my my recent job change. So I'm, I'm now working in journalism and I'm writing more and it's something I've really had to learn and challenge myself with because I am struggling a little bit with writing, writing words. It's something so simple. And it's like for so many years of my life, I've been doing one thing and using one side of my brain. And now and I've been really good. You know, I, a lot of my past positions and things that I've been doing, I've been really good at, and it came easy for me. And I, um, I was kind of the go-to person. People would come to me with questions and I'm finding myself, you know, being the one to ask more questions now. And, um, you know, it's, it's humbling because I'm having to learn a new skill and I have no problem speaking in front of people. I could, you know, step on a stage and you could give me a topic and I could talk to you for an hour about it. Um, but for some reason, it's a struggle to write words. And that's just crazy to me. So I don't know if that yeah, <laughs> kind of helps answer your question. What got you to step into a position that you may not have had a bunch of experience around and not that I'm like, why did you do that? If you don't like it, you know what I mean? But I kind of am asking that same thing because if it's something that you didn't know much about or you're struggling in it, I'm just curious as to what, what got you there? Was it, Hey, we just need to have an income for our family. And this is a sacrifice. Is it more of like, I know that this is something I'm not great at. And I want to challenge myself to sharpen a skill that was otherwise not even being utilized. Walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question too. I'm fascinated with publications and I love I love magazines. That's kind of one of my little obsessions. And I want to learn more about it. And I, you know, I'm like, I, I want to be involved in print publications somehow. And I think it, it just sounds like something fun I want to do. And I've had this dream for a long time. And, um, you know, I kind of wanted a challenge because like I said, I've been for so many years, just kind of doing what I do. And it's, it came easy to me. And, and I just felt like I was ready to level up a little bit and add a new skill set, which people aren't really doing, you know, halfway through their whole life, like, like I am. I think that's awesome. I, <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows much about my career history, but I mean, I've done what I feel like was everything. And I felt lost because of that, because that's what society made me think there was something wrong with me because I enjoyed doing so many things. I mean, when I went off to, to college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I ultimately came back to the farm, worked for my mom and dad for 
the spraying season and then realized like, okay, there's nothing for me to do the rest of the summer. And so I went to town, got a job at a local John Deere dealership as a parts girl, which I knew nothing about the parts side of things. And so I learned on the job. And I remember about a year and a half, two years into that job, for some reason, I had the itch to go to auctioneer school. And, um, I loved to talk. And so I was like, okay, this is fun. Like if you've listened to any of our podcast episodes, you probably realize like I talk very fast. I have a very non-indoor voice and I tend to just be a hundred miles an hour. So I thought this is going to be really fun. I'm going to go to auctioneering school. So I did. And, um, I graduated, I had a blast. I learned about so many things. I think one of the coolest things was, learning how to tell the difference between glass and crystal, to be honest with you, or how to tell if it's the real Persian rug. Those were some of the most fascinating things about auctioneering school to me. And I just love to learn, but I realized I hate being in front of a crowd. Well, at the time I hated being in front of a crowd. I did one auction and it was on new year's and it was a firearm auction. And I thought I was going to throw up. I was so nervous and part of me was like, Casey, you suck at math. So to be able to add in real time in front of a real crowd and you're playing around with people's money, yo, probably not the best move for you. <laughs> so, and so that was the one and only auction that I ever did. And I, you know, I realized like, okay, here's the really cool things I loved about it, but here's the stuff that I didn't, but I don't think that I was a failure in that sense. I just realized, Hey, I want to go do it just for the sake of going and doing it and saying I did it. And, you know, I can say that about several other things in my career. You know, I've, I've worked in sales, I've worked in marketing, I've worked in purchasing, and I realize I love this part about this job and I hate this part about this job. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just love to test things and just say, yep, I did that. And I would much rather have my career look like I'm a job hopper every year or two years and say that I did the thing and I did a process of elimination to help me really get familiar with what I enjoy and what I don't, because it has allowed me to be right here where I am now. You know, had I not gone through, through those experiences, I guarantee you, I would be at a job for year number 10 and hate my life and not know why. And I would just love to hear your thoughts around like how your life experiences have led you to where you are today. So I actually have a degree in interior design. So that is kind of a little lesser known fact about me. Am I using that? No, <laughs> but I like to start with that because it's like, look at how different my life is right now. And I wouldn't trade my years at college um, for anything because I learned so much. And I was in a creative space. So I learned a lot about creativity and design and uh, environments and things like that. So I, I think a lot of people have this conception that, you know, if I want to be a blank, I have to do blank or I have to get a degree in this. And that is just completely wrong. <laughs> And you can do so much. It, it really comes down to connections. It comes down to um, stepping out of your comfort zone, because if you're going to stay in your comfort zone, you're never going to 
to branch out or add on to your experiences. So, you know, I, I got out of college. I did sales at a furniture store, a really high end furniture store. And I thought that I was just big stuff. And I realized I'm not good at it. <laughs> I looked like I was 12 years old. I was trying to sell a $10,000 sofa to somebody who should not be spending that money on a sofa. And I knew that in my mind, but I struggled through it. And, you know, I, I built some skills off of that. I, I built some people's skills and, uh, you know, then I, I did graphic design. So that's really kind of where I honed in, like what I'm good at. And I loved helping brands, um, you know, develop their logo and create a website. So I worked for a, a little web design firm and got to, you know, kind of build up to doing lots of different, you know, brand identities and things like that. Um, I also got to work in incentive travel for a while. That was one of my favorite jobs ever. I got to see the world and I got to be around people. I did a lot of event planning and, you know, I, I like to say this is where I earned my stripes a little bit. I had a really great, um, just several years of being exposed to professionals and having to learn how to carry a meeting and in a conference room, you know, and I, I would say that I kind of got my big girl pants there and I had to, I was challenged a lot in that position. So, you know, coming from that, it's like, am I doing what I went to school for? No, but I, I'm working my way into my sweet spot. And, you know, I just, I think people stop at opportunities because they say, this is not, this isn't line up with exactly my dream. But, you know, I think you were, it was one of your previous podcasts you were talking to, was it Katrina? You were talking about, you don't find joy um, in a, in a job title. And, you know, we, we keep forgetting that it's not just about our job title. You know, what are you doing at home on a Monday night that is sparking creativity? And what are you working towards uh, with your own business? Like if you have your own business and a job, um, there's different outlets that you can, you can branch out and, and find, you know, what makes you tick and things like that. Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, to be honest with you, every single person that I've talked to that has had an interest in joining the Agriminds program have had that exact same why of, I have been in this role for a while and I feel stuck and I don't know what to do about it. And one girl even shared, she's like, I I just don't feel like I have an identity anymore. I feel like I'm going to work, I'm checking a box and I am just going through motions. And I don't feel like I'm doing anything that's lighting my soul on fire. And Allie Robbins, who was on, I think three episodes ago, uh, actually it's probably been more than that by now, but she shared um, a little bit about like just following that tug and that like, this is what I feel like I was born to do, but not being able to identify it. And so you just have to go out and like kind of start playing around with different things and giving yourself the freedom to explore. 
and going through that process of elimination until you get to the place where you're like, I feel so reignited and so pumped. And she was with me through my process of leaving my corporate job and going to full-time entrepreneur. And I will just say like, I understand not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. I understand that it is not everyone's dream to own a business and that it is, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with working for corporate America or any other business, but that was just my dream. And I just could not shake it. And I was so tired and so frustrated and so burnt out and just dreaded waking up in the day, like waking up to go to work. And they had like the Sunday blues is what you call that. And I just remember the very first week of full-time entrepreneurship and how I was able to kind of run the day the way that I wanted to, like my cheeks hurt so bad because I was beaming from ear to ear. And I was having this conversation and I was telling Allie about this. And I was like, you're right. This was so hard to do leading up to this point. But as soon as I made the decision to pivot, it's been life changing. And I just want to make sure that the people that are listening to this realize like it is totally doable and totally possible to have a life, to have a career where you are excited and you're just living in the place that you're using the skills that you want to utilize. You're in your passion, you're fueled up and ready to go. Like that exists. But it takes some work to get to that point to find out what it is that that is for you and not watching what everybody else is doing and following their path because what worked for me is not going to work for you and vice versa. And you just have to, you have to do the work to, to explore what gets you out of bed every day. What are the things that feel like they're dragging you down? And just continue to hone in on that and be aware of it. And you're right. It's going to constantly change. And we talked about this just a second ago. The seasonality in it is something to consider and to factor in as well. Because had I pursued this tug five years ago, it may not have been successful. I think the timing was right. Even though five years ago, I just felt this urge and this tug to, to make a change the timing wasn't quite right. And I just had to ride it out until the timing was right. And the timing is right. And it's amazing. And so just realizing you're not going to always see instant results, instant gratification. But if you continue to do the work on yourself and, you know, just continue to follow through with it, it's going to be amazing once you get there. And you, you also mentioned something before we started um, recording about the proximity principle. And that is why I am where I am today, because I used to hang out with a lot of people that were totally fine with just being where they were. They had no desire to move. They had no just like level up. They, they didn't really care about developing either personally or professionally, but that didn't feel like enough for me. And so I started kind of slowly changing my circle of influence. The people I followed on social media changed. The people I chose to hang out with changed. The type of events I chose to go to changed. And I surrounded myself with people who were about one to two steps ahead of me. And that is what was the game changer for me. I agree. And, you know, I think I kind of have this, uh, 
saying, you know, pop up, show up, and then level up. So, you know, pop up where you're intrigued. You don't have to commit to something if it's just, you know, an event or if it's a a networking thing, Uh, just pop up, show up when you want to invest in it. So show up consistently. If you are serious about it, you know, be at everything, be at every meeting, put the work in, be present, and then, you know, find the opportunities to level up and, and make the connections. And, um, you know, the proximity principle, that's so interesting because it can be really easy to just be struggling through where you are and just sit there and, (laughs) and be frustrated. But if you will, will put in the work and take the opportunities to associate with people that you're, you know, aspiring to not be like, but aspiring to be associated with, or they're doing something that you are wanting to do, um, you know, it's, it's a good thing. And just, uh, last week I was at a, a networking event that I got invited to. And, you know, I just, I love doing that stuff and I love being around other people and I love hearing a good speaker, but it was, it was a, a different level that I'm used to. <laughs> it was a lot higher level uh, attendees that I'm used to. And that was really good for me because it, it just kind of, you know, put me um, in a different spot to say, oh, wow, like what are, what are they doing that maybe I could be focusing more on and what can I share with them from, you know, my world too. Yeah, that's good. And in the episode right before this one, I interviewed Steven from Growers. He's actually the CEO of this company. It's an ag tech company. And I was kind of challenging him. (laughs) It may not have been super professional, but I was so curious, you know, being a CEO of a company, what are you doing to level up? Like to me, never have been a CEO. I want to know, like, you look like somebody who's at the very top who should have it all figured out, but surely you're continuing to sharpen skills too. So I had him explain a little bit about that. And he said the same thing. He's like, I surround myself with people who have bigger companies than I do. And I realized I don't have near as many problems (laughs) as I thought I did. And so it was an absolutely humble experience, experience for him too, of not only is he learning from people who are, have a bigger, more dynamic company, but he's, he's also realizing how good he has it too. You know, the problems that he's facing are very minor compared to these other large businesses. And so when you surround yourself with people who you believe have it more figured out or are further along than you are in your process and you really start building connections with them, you start to realize like, okay, I I think I'm okay too. Like, I think I'm in a good spot. And I think that's pretty powerful as well because you don't have to play this, not, not that victim mentality is the word, but you know, like poor me, I'm not as successful as I thought I should be. And I want to keep going and I want to work towards something more. Like it puts into perspective, just how awesome your place right here, right now is. I have a great story to share. If I could go off on a little bit of a tangent with this. So just what you were talking about. So I have a friend, um, that I would love to share how we met. So I, I created, um, (laughs) so not ag related, but self-defense related. I created a pair of concealed carry jeans for women. And this is something totally just 
you know, several years ago, my husband and I were talking about it. I had just had a baby and we were talking about how could I be safe while he's at work and things like that. So I went through this long process of sewing jeans, like it, you know, on my living room floor with my little singer, simple sewing machine and putting pockets and things, experimenting. I, you know, completely developed this product and I, I started selling them on Etsy and then I was taking people's jeans and sewing pockets into them and things like that. Then I started approaching a manufacturing relationship. So I, I sought out a local manufacturer, went through all that. It's, it was such a crazy world. And I've noticed, you know, you can't find out anything. It's a completely closed industry. Nobody wants to share anything nobody wants to help you really. And it's just made the best man win for the person with the most capital. And so I went through this process, went to a trade show, um, was launching the product at the trade show. And this girl came up to my booth, uh, that I, you know, my husband and I built in our garage <laughs> and the chickens walked on and all, you know, this girl comes up to my booth and she was actually like, this uh, really awesome girl that I knew from Instagram. And she, you know, she's a blogger, a uh, really big blogger in the concealed carry industry and writes for magazines and things like that. And I was like, oh my goodness, she's coming to talk to me. And she wanted to talk to me about my product. And so, um, you know, we did a little photo and we, you know, she wrote down all, all my information and stuff like that. And we hit it off. And it was just one of those people that I was like, oh, like we're going to be friends. I just know it. As we, we kept our friendship up a little bit. And then, um, I forget who, I think she approached me. She approached me about kind of like a partnership. She wanted, she, um, you know, she approached me and said, I, I would love to collaborate on something with you. I have this really cool idea for a product and I, it looks like you've been through this and it, you're an expert and I would love for you to walk me through this. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, yes, I've been through this. And, and, you know, I, I kind of, I didn't like fake anything, but I, I felt very flattered, you know? And so we agreed to it and we, you know, a friendship kind of formed in the process and we had a lot of phone conversations and, um, you know, she's a girl of faith. And so we, we were able to share a lot of, uh, prayer, prayer requests and things like that. And, uh, this friendship kind of blossomed and we we signed paperwork and we had an agreement in place and we were going to do this thing. And we actually went through a lot of product development. We met together at the manufacturer. We did um, try-ons and things like that. And we got to kind of this point where I felt like I didn't really know which direction to go. And I you know, I was so excited to be doing this big thing, this big collaboration with her, but I finally had to just step back and say to her, I don't really know what I'm doing. And, you know, I, I remember her kind of being like, yeah, I don't either. And it was just an amazing, like something just broke. And I remember our first phone conversation where I was like, I couldn't believe you reached out to me. And she said, well, I thought you, I, she said, I was kind of starstruck by you. And I said, well, well, neither of us know what we're doing, you know? <laughs> so it was just amazing how the trajectory of our relationship and our projects are taking now that we broke that off. We both kind of agreed like, hey, 
can we just figure this out together and not make it so professional? And we're like, yeah, let's just do that. And now it's like our projects that we were both working on separately and trying to be super, you know, professional about and put on a facade. We're both actually in a really good position and the manufacturing is happening and we're seeing our samples and we have a great team that's working with us to market our products. And um, I just, you know, it's kind of a strange uh, story to tell, but there's just so much value and just saying, hey, like, I'm not all that. <laughs> and I would love to just figure this out with you. I think that's so cool that you stepped into something that was very, well, first of all, you saw a need and you did something about it. And secondly, like, that's not something that probably aligned with anything else that you were working on. And you just got really creative and you went for it. And that is really, really cool. Despite there potentially being no, you know, tangible outcome. You know what I mean? Like you still went for it. You still were going through the process. You were still just taking it on one step at a time, not knowing what the end result was going to be. I think that's awesome. And then secondly, um, the other day I did a presentation on the power of networking for the New Mexico, excuse me, Cattle Growers Association. And there were two points that I made through that, that I feel like, like was the most important piece. And the first one was connection is a currency and you can either utilize it or you can let it sit still, right? Like it is absolutely a currency. And the more you put into it, the more valuable it becomes. And then the second point was that your network is your net worth. And same thing, what you put into it, you'll get out of it. And the fact that you you realized like, hey, I may not have it all figured out, but I'm willing to take a chance on it. And then you got really transparent with her and there was there was no harm, no foul in it. Like she didn't think anything less of you for that. She almost probably was like, wow, thank you for admitting that. Cause I don't either. And that relieves some pressure off of each other. And I think that is just so dang cool to, to hear like the fears that you were probably thinking and how silly it probably felt afterwards. You're like, that was not a real fear. And there's an acronym that goes with fear that I hear often that is false evidence appearing real. And I feel like that holds us back in so many ways, both in our professional aspect and in our personal aspect. And it's like, we just assume that someone's going to think something about us. I, I assume that I'm going to fail. I assume that, you know, blah, 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 insert whatever. And that holds us back on so many things. And I know I'm, you know, guilty of that. Like, it's what held me back from being an entrepreneur. It's what held me back from having baby number two. It's what held me back from so many things in my life because I was scared of what might be. And then once it actually happened, I was like, wow, that was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's, it's just crazy how we, we tend to view things and have a perspective of how things should be. And then, you know, if we just get real with ourselves and with, with our circle, um, walls come crumbling down. Yeah, absolutely. And there is power in saying, you know what, I don't have to do this on my own and working alongside other people and 
I mean, that's the whole goal of Agriminds is to come together as a collective to tap into the strengths of those around us, to get outside perspective, to challenge us in ways that, you know, are uncomfortable or that maybe we would be scared to do if we didn't have a support system of people who got it. And so, I mean, that's, that's the whole point of it. And so I, I loved hearing that you were willing to entertain that idea of, you know what, I don't have to do this on my own and not work harder. I can work smarter and I don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like I can, I can accept that. I think that is absolutely fantastic. I think that the last 45 minutes or so just went flying by, but Joelle, if people wanted to keep in touch with you, if they wanted to buy some concealed carry jeans or just, you know, reach out to you for beef, whatever the thing, how can they stay in the loop with what you're doing or reach out to you for just building connections? You can find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle's at Tractor Heels. Uh, and then our farm in Indiana is Orem Farms. So orumfarms.com. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, getting real and vulnerable and sharing all sorts of things about your personal and your professional life and, and how you've grown through so many different experiences. This has been fantastic. So thank you again for joining me today. Thank you so much. All right, folks, we'll stay tuned for the next episode of Agriminds. We'll talk to you soon.